Hello and a very spooky welcome on this All Hallows Eve shout out spectacular. Well, should it be spooktacular? Um, uh, spooky, it says here. <laughs> um, he's Andy Sheldon. I wondered who you were. I'm Steph Barnett. I know that. Today's show, we check out the spooky story of Boss Castle. Uh, and we're also talking gay ghosts and ghouls with uh, the team and Terry. All in the next terrifying hour here on Shout. Always terrifying. You. <laughs> Are you cold? <laughs> Sorry, I'll turn the aircon down. Yes, please. <laughs> hey, we've got we've got a bat in the studio. <laughs> Where's the where's that bat going? <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're doing, Stephanie. And I'm only here flitting and flying around for a very short amount of time. Uh, so it's great, that's Bartok the bat. He's he's on special loan from Radio Moscow. <laughs> yes. Hello Bartok. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> it's very nice to be here. <laughs> How do I follow that? I can't do accents <laughs> at all. Do you drink blood? A normal fruit bat. I eat all, all the fruits, uh, but sometimes strawberries to make myself look like a vampire bat, so I don't get bullied when visiting Tag Dracul's castle in oh, Romania. Oh, bless. <laughs> Blackberries work as well. Anyway, I have to say, it's lovely to have you back there. Oh, oh, thank you so much. So, it's and we're in the studio. It's lovely to be in the studio. Oh, this All Hallows Eve, mm. yeah. uh, which we're going to talk about in a lot more detail uh, later on, aren't we? Um, we will indeed. Uh, but it is, um, it's actually, is it a pagan festival it's based on? I, well, I it's, it's got a lot of roots, actually, uh, Halloween. It's, it's Roman Catholic. It's important in Latin American culture. It's important to Celtic culture as well. It's the New Year in Wales and Cornwall and Ireland, traditionally, if you go back to pre-Christian times. So a lot of traditions mm. have yeah. a sort of spooky festival at late autumn. Mexico got their own special oh, Day dear, of the dear, Dead dear, yes. Dear yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yes and of course it means you can go get lots of sweets <laughs> <laughs> under supervision of course um, yeah I mean I tend to just you know snatch and run but so <laughs> <laughs> oh okay <laughs> uh, I, I might do a bit of trick or treating uh, you know this yeah. Halloween I'm very good at, at the old handstand I've seen oh. loads of designs for Covid safe Halloween things where like there's like a ghost that actually has a tube to the front door so you put the sweets in the tube and it comes down and out the ghost's mouth so you don't actually oh, have to go to the front door really cool. and, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, that's really cool I had my head shaved on Tuesday and my brother said you know with that bold head and those big bulging eyes you look like Uncle Fester <laughs> where's the light bulb I want <laughs> microphone in my mouth instead of a light bulb yeah. yes. anyway um, the first thing we're kicking off actually is not so much Halloween related um, it's coming on our series about um, fighting with pride yeah, yes. yeah. so uh, uh, this is um, Patrick have a listen to this Until the turn of the century, the British Armed Forces engaged in the social cleansing of a group of their own people seen as a threat to its existence. LGBT plus personnel matched the courage of peers on the battlefield, but, if discovered, were arrested 
interrogated, subjected to degrading medical examinations and court-martial. I'm Ed Hall. And I'm Rebecca Sandals. Working with the charity Fighting with Pride, we're telling the stories of people who served or were directly affected by this gay ban. My name is Patrick Lister-Todd. I served in the Royal Navy between 1972 and 1992. I joined as a midshipman and left as a lieutenant commander. My official reason for leaving was was a fake reason. It was that I wanted to leave whilst I was still young enough to get uh, a successful second career, which, of course, uh, no one believed, but it was my right to leave. The real reason was that I was a hidden gay man. I had a partner, and he was HIV positive. And I just found out that my next position was going to be as second in command of a destroyer. And I really couldn't reconcile these two imperatives, my partner and his possible needs in the future. We we knew that at some point he would die. Um, That's what happened if you were HIV positive then. Uh, And my continuing career as a professional naval officer. And the decision wasn't a difficult one. He actually died uh, two days before my last day. Uh, whilst I was in the throes of uh, handing over my department. And the reality was that I was uh, uh, doing my job by day, and then every other night I'd be driving up from Portsmouth to London. He was in Charing Cross Hospital, and uh, and spending a couple of hours there, then driving back, getting in by midnight to get up sort of uh, 6.30 in the morning. And it was, uh, it was quite a sort of... Uh, a stressful time, um, and I had to hide it totally from everyone. But there's the thing, that it was my choice to to put my allegiance to my career and my country first. It was unfortunate that in those days the military were where they were. I, I wake up on a Saturday morning. Um, it's my first day out of the Navy. It's two days since he uh, died. Um, thinking the only two things that have ever mattered to me in my life, really mattered, have gone within that space. But um, in time, I picked myself up, uh, I grieved, I understood the process, and then I suddenly got involved in voluntary work, uh, LGBT work and HIV AIDS work. And that was my focus for three years. But my first job after leaving the Navy, after being this principal warfare officer, was as a health promotion officer for positive people at the Terence Higgins Trust. And this continued throughout the 90s. The most important thing I was doing, though, was that I had joined an organisation called Rank Outsiders, which had been set up by two marvellous people with the help of Stonewall. And this was a support organisation for LGBT veterans. And a year after I joined, I became the chair, and much the same time, thanks to another key individual, Ed Hall, we decided together, uh, very much for Stonewall's support, to look for a judicial route to get the ban lifted. And that's what we we followed uh, with myself uh, as chair, um, starting off with. Uh, but continuing all the way through until we won in the European Court of Human Rights in September 1999. And then uh, only a few months later, in January 2000, had the ban lifted. There was no legislation required. It was a simple statement from the Defence Secretary, uh, Jeff Hoon, in the House of Commons. Uh, And I was 
present. And, and remember him looking up to a group of us in uh, Strangers Gallery as he said it. My heart never um, uh, left the Navy. My, my body had to, so to speak. You've been listening to Fighting with Pride, produced by John Dash Media with the support of the Audio Content Fund. For more information, visit fightingwithpride.org.uk. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you. <laughs> the Shout Out Podcast. The spooky, scary skeletons. <laughs> I've got a few of those in my closet and this... <laughs> that's, uh, that's by uh, it's a remix of uh, well, it's by Andrew Gold who did the original the original was a really slow kids one and then this one came about I'm like brilliant. oh my god it's brilliant I want it as my ringtone I love it <laughs> it's very sweet yeah yeah. that's the longer version actually I kind of wish I'd gone for the, the, the short one it's not quite so hardcore the short one I, I expect a lot of our listeners have really enjoyed that yeah, yeah. funky yeah. I thought I'd do something I mean, I mean you can play like you know there are some tunes that get played to death every single time we come round. See what I did they yeah. play to death? Oh. <laughs> I did. Very droll. I did see. <laughs> it's that bit I like. Yeah. I love. I can't remember what it was called. There's an amazing children's book about skeletons. When I was growing up. I absolutely loved that. Yeah, I think another one you mean. Yeah. I can't think what it's called. No, connected to the. Thank you, Andy. Yes, funny bones. Funny bones. Oh, yes, oh yeah. that's yeah. what. I can even see the front cover. Yeah. Yellow yes, outline. I remember that. And then black, and then the drawings. Yeah. Lovely book. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, if you two could disappear off to the uh, newsroom, um, and uh, let's hope it's not haunted. <laughs> This is Shout Out News Headlines on Thursday, 28th of October. Anti-fascist blogger Sophia Christina Botha reports from last Thursday's demonstration by a united front of LGBTQIA plus activists and allies against a group called the LGB Alliance, which is regarded by the majority of gay political commentators as a front organisation for the far right, and which has a stated intention of dividing the gay and trans movements. Ms Bota says that the LGB Alliance True Colours came through at their conference, which opposed a ban on conversion therapy. She also reports that members of the group propagated an old anti-Semitic trope about Jewish people manufacturing COVID-19 vaccines to turn people trans. Well, needless to say, this has no basis in scientific fact. In attendance at the Alliance's conference also was Andy Ngo, who was present at the 2017 Unite the Right neo-fascist march in Charlottesville, USA, at which a left-wing demonstrator was killed. Ms Boto reports that the counter-protest was large and well attended and that it attracted a wide variety of people who were concerned for the direction in which the UK's political scene is headed. 
It's Ace Week, formerly known as a Sexual Awareness Week. This seven-day period is a chance to fly the purple, grey and black flag of the asexual movement high and to attend virtual workshops and events that are taking place. The coordinating website for the week takes up the story and says the ace community has made significant headway over the years. Asexual representation in mainstream media continues to improve. Major LGBTQ plus organisations now acknowledge and include us and ace community groups have sprouted up and flourished in cities around the world. Ace Week gives us an opportunity to recognise these achievements and the efforts that made them possible. Meanwhile, if you're interested in doing some awareness raising in your school or workplace, the website Aces and Eros, which we have linked to on our website, has a wealth of free downloadable resources. Have a great week. Now, are you interested in getting involved in Bristol Pride? Do you have skills you can bring to the organisation and help it move through the next few years as we emerge from COVID lockdowns? Well, they're looking for passionate people to become trustees and sit on the board. In particular, people with experience in HR, finance and fundraising are welcome. Visit the website at bristolpride.co.uk for further information and you'll find a recruitment pack available for download. Channel 4 Television's news programme on Sunday evening travelled to Lagos, the wealthiest city in West Africa, where Nigerian LGBTQIA plus people are coming out in greater numbers and in a more celebratory fashion than ever before. Despite the country's colonial era anti-gay laws and brutality from the police and state officials, there is a confidence and determination in the Lagos gay scene as younger people come together to celebrate and party. We've long reported on the comic book world and its LGBTQIA QIA friendly traditions. You may have seen on major TV networks, including BBC News and France 24, that the newest Superman comics feature a bisexual Clark Kent. And Pink News has reported that the original TV Wonder Woman actress Linda Carter has recently put anti transgender feminists in their place. Now, the DC Comics powerhouse publishing firm have made history by introducing the first trans woman to Themyscira, the all female island on which Wonder Woman was born. Up. Bia, a trans woman of colour, arrives on the mythical island through the Well of Souls, according to Gay Times magazine. She reaches the island through this portal, which holds women murdered by male violence. I don't know how to explain it yet, she says, but this exact moment feels like my soul has desired it long before I came here. I am Bia. The story unfolds in the newly published adventure called Nubia and the Amazons. Is Halloween. This festival will be marked by many LGBTQIA plus people. In fact, it has been quipped in the past that with its celebratory aspects, its pagan-themed parties, fancy dress and campery, it ranks as the gay Christmas. It has ancient roots in the agricultural societies of ancient and medieval Europe, and its development is complicated and still debated by historians. What we do know is that today, the 31st of October and 1st of November, are of significance to Christian pagans, Latin American culture and Celtic nations as a celebration of the harvest and on honouring the dead. The pagan bookstores Goddess and the Green Man in Glastonbury notes, traditionally the veils between the worlds are at their thinnest now. Boundaries dissolve and all is laid bare. It is time to honour and offer hospitality to our ancestors. Indeed, this honouring of the dead present in many diverse Halloween celebrations may date back deep into the Stone Age, at least 6,000 years ago, if not longer.
There is much to explore on the internet and we have put up a few links to further reading that might interest you if you feel that LGBTQIA plus paganism is for you. Just check out our newsfeed online. For these news stories in further detail and much, much more, we update the website every day. Do check us out at shoutoutradio.lgbt. For Shoutout News, this has been Ezra Peregrine and Terry Starr. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. <laughs> the Shout Out Podcast. Uh, that's a Hedra Roll of Thriller. <laughs> uh, that, that's a Glee um, cross, if you remember Glee, when they were on TV. I do. I do remember uh, Glee. They, they did a brilliant um, one. They did loads of Rocky Horror stuff too, as I recall. It was quite a camp um, programme, wasn't it? It was a very camp programme, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know... I mean, it's Gay Christmas, apparently. That's, right. that's what it's you said called. in the news. That's what it's <laughs> been called. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, we're going to head on over to Boss Castle. <sighs> Hang on tight. to something, yes. <laughs> it's going to get pretty rough. Right. The Shout Out Podcast. The year is 1694. The harbour walls have been built 100 years earlier, making a perfect port for ships to come and go. Local communities stood upon the harbour. Lanterns flickered as they watched the approaching ship. It was the last vessel in that night, having delivered its cargo of slate and coal. Many wives were waiting for their husbands so they could get warm around the half-fires. The galleon moaned in the wind, its mighty timbers seasoned by the sea, the wet sails flapped like wet cloth. Something was wrong. There was no one on deck, just an eerie silence as the ship moved towards the harbour wall. People watched with wide eyes as the vessel came to a halt. The sound of the rigging rattling in the wind, timbers groaned against the lapping water. A few of the older men on the quay side pulled the ropes that had hung over the side of the ship. Securing it tight, they went on board. Old Granny Tibbet knew what had happened, but she kept her mouth shut. She'd sold a charm to the captain of the ship a few days ago. A powerful spell that could calm the winds. She knew there was a storm coming. She could smell it in the air, but as yet it hadn't made it up coast to the tiny port of Boscastle. It had been an easy sail. The men on board the ship were at ease and looking forward to Christmas, joking together in the hold with jars of rum and tobacco, while the captain smoked his pipe in his cabin. The calm was soon lost as the bells sounded out and everyone rushed onto deck. There was a storm coming. Clouds on the horizon were boiling black as the boat hit choppy, choppy waters. The captain looked at the crew, then back at the weather, wondering if it would be safer to get to a local port. They could moor for the night and then return home in the morning. But it was Christmas Eve and the men wanted to get back to their loved ones, so he gave the sign to sail. The Troil was a strong ship. She'd weathered many a storm and the men were well seasoned, so they knew the drill. Every man was on deck, battening down hatches, securing the sails, 
few of the men tossed some rum into the water. For the booker, they shouted. He would help them. Back in his quarters, the captain remembered the charm he'd been sold a few days earlier. He'd bought it from an old woman out of pity. She looked poor, and being a kind man, he parted with a few coins. Superstitions run high at the sea. He knew the sailors bought charms from the old women in the harbour to raise winds when the sea was flat, but he never bothered as he considered himself a man of science and knew that to get a boat through troubled waters took a brave crew of common sense. He took out the charm. A little piece of paper rolled among a bag of herbs. The old woman had told him the instructions for its use. To work perfectly, you must remember the detail, she had said to him as she handed him the charm. Cautiously fingered the herbs. The boat had started to rock in the choppy waters, and looking at the approaching clouds, he carefully unrolled the paper. He was about to toss the whole thing into the fire, but something stopped him. It couldn't harm, could it, he told himself, so he swiftly read the words, then cast the herbs into the sea as he made his way back onto the deck of the ship. But he'd failed to remember the detail. To raise the devil, you must be protected by the Lord, she had said. You must mark the sign of the cross on the deck of the ship with sea water. It's about half hour away, Captain, said one of the seamen looking at the approaching storm. The wind had started to whip the masts, sending shivers down the rigging. And who may that be, sir? asked another sailor, pointing to a fine gentleman dressed in black who descended into the hull of the ship. The captain felt a rush of cold. He pulled his coat tight around him and returned to his cabin to find a handsome man sat at his desk. And who might you be, sir? he asked. The man in black seemed uninterested in the storm. His elegant features reminded the captain of some nobleman back on shore. Come, sit with me and play this game of chess, he smiled. The captain walked over to his desk. Upon it was a chess set ready to play. This is no time for games, sir. We have a storm approaching which needs my attention if we're going to get to Boss Castle this night. That's right, said the man in black. But you called for my help, and I'm here to bargain with you. To bargain, sir, said the captain, cross, sitting across from the man. The storm coming tonight will rip this ship apart. It's a storm you don't see often, maybe once even in a hundred years, said the man in black. Who are you? I demand you tell me, sir, shouted the captain. The man in black smiled and made his first move on the chessboard. As I said, I'm he whom you called. The charm, asked the captain. The man in black just smiled. You'll move. How can I play chess, sir? The ship and my crew are my responsibility, demanded the captain. And so you will play chess for their lives, said the man in black. The captain looked at the board. And being a man of chess, he made the second move. The man in black responded with a third and so the game moved on. 
ship climbed the waves that would have broken a smaller vessel apart as the crewmen held tight to the wheel. The cabin door to where the captain sat had been locked from inside. Bolts of lightning hit the sea, thunder erupted above. Water crashed upon the deck, sending men crashing into the sides of the boat. Those who had been smart had tied themselves secure, leaving other men to be washed around the timbers in great torrents of water. Never had they experienced such a storm. It was as if all hell had broken loose. But back in the captain's cabin, the game played out. It's your move, said the handsome man. The captain looked at the board and saw a move that could win, and so he made it swiftly. You seem to have won the game, my dear friend, said the man in black. And now we sail to port. We have loved ones waiting for us, said the captain. The ship will sail to port. You forgot the detail. And the devil is always in the detail. You might have won the game, but now I take what I'm due. Your boat is granted safe passage tonight through the storm. But all on board are now mine, said the man in black. And so the boat sailed into Boscastle Harbour with no one on board. This is a cautionary tale for those who might meet a weather witch selling charms on the quayside. For they have made a pact with the devil. And remember, if you call upon such forces, always lift, listen carefully to the instructions. For if you miss the detail, the devil will surely come and take that which he's due. The Boss Castle Ghost Story was written and read by Robert Kyle, production by Steffi Barnett, sound effects courtesy of the BBC, and music of Black Sea Shanty by ICK. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you. <laughs> the Shout Out Podcast. There you go. That's a uh, people are strange, and uh, um, that's a. Um, I feel like that song was written about me. That was another <laughs> heavy one, wasn't it? It was a heavy one. I yeah. got headache. No. Was that a Doors song? Take some ibuprofen. Uh, yes, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you tell her. I did, so, and I'll do it again. Just get an old Steph. I yeah. don't do drugs. I'm Bit not going to take ibuprofen. <laughs> <laughs> Knock it back. Go on. Hello, Chief. Forgive you, cowpole. <laughs> She's not that old, Andy. I got them in. <laughs> They're in so tight. I glued them in this morning. That's just your fangs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be useful to break out the Farley's rusks. Yeah. Oh That's true. Thank you, See? Andy. Uh, I bet you're wishing like you not said she didn't like I that am, now, I do you? not like Farley's rusks. Anyone like I Farley's rusks? I've never like, had one. I like I you would have had them as a child or a baby, yes. Uh, I love them. You can still buy them. Yeah, I quite like them. Need to get in the bin. <clears throat> Absolute sacrilege. Not ever that. Are we um, going to be discussing gay ghosts? <laughs> Is there not gay one where ghosts. I? There's a gay ghost where I live, Terry. I've heard that there is a gay ghost in Bath. I believe this was. Uh, I believe this was. <laughs> it's a very posh ghost. Oh, that's isn't that more <laughs> some voice in your lift, isn't it? <laughs>
Is he is he close to where I am? I don't know about precisely where you are, but uh, I've, I've I've heard on on one of the ghost programs on television that there's a gay ghost who appears to attractive young men only in Bath, oh, which is why I've seen him many times. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did say it last year. Now, it's Halloween weekend. Yeah. Just a bit of background for you. This All is Hallows a, Eve. All Hallows Eve is mm. the original title. Now, for Southern European Catholics and Latin American culture where folk belief in Catholicism are mixed, people partake in various activities to honour the dead, such as having a picnic at the graves of the departed. Many Would students have folklore... if you did that now? No. Well, in this country, no, they do no. that in Spain, yeah. I believe, yeah? yeah. Many here. students of folklore have argued quite convincingly that Halloween is a Christianised version of earlier folkloric customs which go back a long way into European prehistory. Both Germanic and Celtic pagan belief systems honoured the dead at this time of year. In their folklore, the festival known as Samhain is a liminal time. That means a period when the veil between the worlds of the living and the spirit world is at its thinnest. A perfect time for honouring one's ancestors. So before we begin our little news extra discussion, I must point out that broadcasters in the UK are required by the Broadcasting Code to take a sceptical approach to issues of the supernatural and paranormal and to include a reminder that these discussions are for entertainment purposes only and not to be taken as a scientific investigation. But I'm sure you all knew that. Well, in, in, in my world, so, the veil between the real and the um, spirit world starts as soon as I take the lid off the bottle of vodka, you know? <laughs> 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 I like that. I like that. Yeah. So, has anybody had any spooky experiences yes. here during their lifetime? Yeah, I have. You know, yeah. um, Robert Kyle, who just read the, the ghost story, mm. I went over to their place and they live in a, a really small village uh, with no street lighting, thatch roof. So it's, it's quite spooky in its own right. They had a few friends around and around this table, and they were going to have... They were holding hands to see who they could contact. Really? Yeah. Now, I didn't want to take part in that, because I don't, I don't like that sort of stuff. But anyway, so I sat back... Well, because you think they actually could, or? No, 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 because it, it doesn't matter, because I was... Or are you, I, I are you grounded, afraid? No, I grounded myself. There's no way spooks are going to get me. Are you, are you afraid you might come back then, or something? Well, so. I could come back, and I will definitely haunt you. Yeah, I know you would. <laughs> <laughs> Revenge. <laughs> so every, the lights were down, and um, they were just, like, talking, and um, all of a sudden the place started getting very very cold and i mean it the temperature dropped significantly over a very short period of time did you forget to close the door well i could feel no the doors were shut andy and it was quite a warm place until they started that and it started getting cold and i could feel something and it didn't feel right it wasn't good what i felt it felt evil so I'm trying so hard not to so, laugh. But carry on. Well, no, this, I'm just telling you what happened. Yeah. You be the judge of what you think or feel. You get back to I, your, I wasn't, your vodka I wasn't, ball. I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, you're going to have to stop this. You're going to have to stop. There's something evil coming in. You're opening something up. And so they broke... They broke it. They let go of their hands. And the temperature went back up. And that feeling went... Mm. Incredible. Never mm. felt anything like that before. Well, turn the thermostat back up. Spooky. <laughs> she mm. put her thermos back on and <laughs> talk about it ever again. 
<laughs> yeah, we're but, we're talking about seconds is, temperature yeah, drop and is, seconds I've coming back up. Like that. I have. I, I remember going up onto the Quantox um, in my early twenties, which obviously was last week, and um, <laughs> my friend would purposely run off um, and leave me by myself. And there's a, there's a collection of photos of just me being terrified by her. Um, but we walked past a tree, and as we walked past from where we were just past the tree it went warm we carried on walking it went cold and as we came back the same thing happened and bearing in mind we're on the Quantox <laughs> there is no way that sudden warmth or you know sudden change in temperature can happen I know it can happen in forests you can get pockets of hot and cold air yeah. oh, can you? Yeah. Ooh, wow mm. who knows I have also seen a, a young girl running down a corridor in a white dress when I worked in a 13 bed nursing home and then she sang over the intercom Sort of. That would really, yeah. yeah. Like, ah, wow, that's an interesting that's one. Scary for those mm-hmm. of us like like myself, Steph, and, and Andy H, who are radio enthusiasts, and Andy S, are radio enthusiasts. Uh, haunted airwaves apparently are a thing. You know, occasionally people tune into blank frequencies and hear voices mm. saying yeah, "Help yeah. me" or something like that. It's sort of yeah. weird. I mean, you don't know whether somebody is transmitting, but mm. these things have been reported. And test cards appearing on television channels years after they were. Mm. De- commissioned and mm. things like that I mean these there are stories like Hell that. but do you think me. do you think um, if if they can actually come back they're, they're only allowed at certain times because you know I wouldn't really want to be having a bit of fun with the husband and like <laughs> Knowing that my grandma's looking over me from the corner of the room or I, something, I, that'd I'm be horrible. I'm not sure if you're. I think she would just uh, be like, "Oh, sorry, come back later." <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. So most people would be polite, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I would hope, I would hope that that it was. Depends what type of spirit it is, really, though. Aren't Do some you of think them like? I mean, isn't it a poltergeist? Is one that's mischievous yeah. and noisy ghost in Germany? Yeah. Yes. It's our talking bat had any experiences <laughs> of ghouls and ghosts? Bird dogs spins his life around the vampires, not the ghosts. <laughs> Okay. Ghosts don't like vampires. <laughs> no, so have you had any spooky moments? Ah, I don't think so much. Just uh, lots of flapping and hiding <laughs> and eating and sleeping upside down and pooping and uh, <laughs> chilling out with my vampire master whilst he drinks blood and I eat And food. obviously you don't. You no. Don't. Okay. My friends do, but I don't socialize with them often. They scare me. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you, Bartok. <laughs> I'm trying to think where, um, if, if there's any sort of LGBTQ specific connections. I know that for a long well, time I worked. Well, I used to volunteer at Terence Higgins Trust, which is in Bristol. Its base was at the old coaching inn on Old Market in the heart of the gay village. Right. And um, Sean, who used to do the fundraising. Uh, up until the small hours of the morning, many Fridays and Saturday nights, he always used to say that very occasionally he'd hear somebody coughing from an adjacent room and, and just shrugged his shoulders. There was nobody nobody else there. But um, coughing yeah. and sort of noisy and footsteps market, are quite well Because we, we were actually, if you remember, oh, probably about 10 years ago, we mm. were going to do a live ghost hunting um, from the old market tavern. we thought we were going to do a most haunted type yeah. of thing didn't we we must arrange that sometime yeah. uh, at the old yes you're right at the old market tavern and the proprietor well, I mean, there was saying that, it's, that they reckon they've got a ghost it's, it's a, it is a well known fact that if you can't recognise a shape you'll try and see a human Oh yeah, uh, which yes. is which is why if you're out and you see something and, and you're not quite sure what it is, like in the middle of a graveyard or something, you, I tell you, you the most spooky thing was when I was on um, hospital radio. Okay, and it was in the roof space of the BRI in the, the old, centre the of town. The old BRI, yeah, that the is. old BRI. So 
everyone had left and you're not supposed to do that so I was on my own doing the last show the request show got in the lift come back it was an old fashioned lift you know with the the, th- the gate you pull across yeah. on you you know and yeah, yeah. I remember it well really creaked and groaned as it went down and I pushed the wrong button <laughs> I went down and I went all the way to the basement to the kitchen <laughs> that would freak me out but even they, though there'd be nothing wrong it yeah there was I opened the door and no lights come on and there's like t- the the trolleys obviously with people on waiting to go in the kitchens because obviously they re- must recycle the cadavers keeping the prices down for the NHS <laughs> So it's like Soylent Green. I had never jumped back into that lift so quick in my life. You seriously, you went down to the morgue, did you? I went down to the bottom floor where it's... Actually, isn't it the walkway under the road? Uh, Well, that's not quite the bottom floor of the old BRI as was. Um, The floor below it is where the kitchens are, but you had to go off to the left-hand side to go down to the mortuary. And those trolleys would always have been empty because you're not allowed to keep... You uh, sure, Andy? Yes, because you're not allowed to keep... Outside of fridges. Why is the morgue in the kitchen in the same place in it's the not, BRI? It's not. One's outside in a different building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you just said they were just round the corner no, and they one's, were kept one's on the left outside. and fresh, ready to go in the pot. This That's is not nice, Andy. <laughs> I should say, this is, this is long, long since gone and closed down. You're going to give people nightmares about going to hospital now. I had a like nightmare. That. It haunts me going down to that bottom floor. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's now a building site and it's now, uh, no, no it's longer there. It's going to be flat. <laughs> it, it is going to be flats, yes. And the, cha- the chapel will still be there because it's a grade one listed chapel. But I have to say, my own experience um, if you go up onto Dartmoor, you do find some weird things up there, especially as it gets to dusk. Can yeah, be a bit strange. And, and, mm. and it seems like in, in old houses as well, I mean, they, they can creak and groan where like central heating kicks in or turns yeah, yeah. off. I, I think in the new year, you know, they do those, um, or even before, they do those prison overnight stays, like haunted mansions, haunted prisons in England. I think we should well, do you, we should do a shout out. Well, you crack on after dark, <laughs> and I'll stay in the studio Just, yeah, right, with, yeah. with you lying. All I'm clean hearing there is wuss. Anybody <laughs> 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 else? my middle name (laughs) Uh, however if you lock me in anywhere I will go full Hayley Joel Osment from Sixth Sense (laughs) I mean the closest I've said I think I said it um, uh, in a similar question last year the the closest I've had to it wasn't actually me it was um, my grandma um, and um, when I was younger, we lived in a place called Winchester, just north of Southampton. Which very ancient, is, um, very ancient. Time. Very old. It was originally the capital of England um, yeah. many, many, many years ago, hundreds of years ago. Um, and it's famous for the, the cathedral that's built there because um, um, it, it actually started to sink and um, a guy went down and propped it all up in one of the first ever diving suits ever invented oh. and like. But oh, really? there's all kinds of um, uh, noble people buried there, kings and queens and the like. And I can remember walking down the right hand side my grandma got to one grave on the floor and she said I can't walk over this grave and of course I was like 12 or 14 I was like come on grandma don't be silly um, and she was like no, 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 I'm going to walk around the other way I'll meet you because we were just heading to the, the other end to do like a like once around the, the church of grandparents you know, like you do when they visit mm. you take them somewhere old because they're old yeah, it's a, you <laughs> took their final their final resting place <laughs> yeah. anyway, you took them to but, a graveyard well I didn't I didn't take them I was like 12 or so anyway but, but so she walked around so my dad stopped one of the tour guides and said excuse me can you 
tell me something about this this grave. Um, I didn't say what had happened. Just said, "Tell me about the grave." And the um, the, the the tour guy turned around and said, "Oh yes, this this actually quite a horrible man. He was um, 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 hung and buried here because um, he was going around doing quite nasty things like raping the women um, mm. in the local villages and the like." Wow. And unbeknown to my grandma that she just said she couldn't walk over that grave and um, I remember my dad being really kind of like taken aback that she could sense something mm. and couldn't walk over it and it wasn't Halloween or anything mm. this was just you know mm. normal but day, would you so. not think that it was a bit disrespectful anyway to walk across I don't think I would well in, 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 the, in the cathedral sometimes. you have no choice because yeah, they are all the buried within buried the walls around, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and the stones and the you know you are part of the actual walkway yeah. um, that, that commemorate them yeah. yeah when you go to graveyards you do your absolute best but even then if they're very tightly packed you do end up having to very gently yeah step over yeah. or on but I mean if you've been to Winchester Cathedral you know you, yeah. you don't have a choice because they are huge great slabs yeah. of stone with the carvings in them yes. that form yeah. the walkway all the way around the edge and it's yeah. it's designed that you do walk on them so mm. you're not being disrespectful that's actually how, how it is you've just reminded me very quickly of uh, when I was about six I went in to say goodnight to my grandma um, and uh, she had a rocking chair at the end of the bed and she was sat up in bed and as I sat down she went don't, don't sit down and I said what's the matter she said my father's sat there for goodness sake oh yeah and he'd been dead for about 30 years really yeah yeah so it's quite very good could he is there is there anybody famous that anyone would like to meet if the veil between the worlds lifted and you could meet somebody an ancestor or a famous person um alan turing would be mine yeah Um, i would mind interviewing david bowie Mm -hmm. uh and uh george michael He's a bit of a hero. Um, because well, he, yeah. so much came to light when he did pass away about how many mm. good things he'd done. And yeah. of course, so many people know him for silly things like cruising on Hampstead Heath and, um, yeah. um, and, uh, um, and the I'd toilet like to scene give George that he did Michael the- a big hug. Yeah. I would. And yeah. interview David Bowie. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I think Kurt Cobain and uh, Amy Winehouse for me. So who would very you good. have over for dinner from the spirit world if you <laughs> From could? the spirit world. From the spit, I don't yeah. think they'd eat much. Well, you, yeah, but you, yeah, they can still come for dinner. Can they? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You, so don't, you, you don't eat much. You still come for dinner. <laughs> so, so you'd have a séance, and they'd sit in an empty chair. Well, yeah. uh, mom, uh, who would you have? Just hypothetically, uh, who, who, who would you have to have a conversation with? Um. I don't know. There's so many people. That, you mean somebody, a relative or anybody? No, anybody. Yeah, oh, come on, hurry up, Steph. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. that's someone else. I think I'd go with... I'd probably want Freddie Mercury. Really? Wow, yes. yes. Yeah, I think obviously he could put on a good show as well. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he could do the music and the chatting. Um, I, for me, it would be Albert Einstein. Oh. Oh, good yes. choice. Yeah. Yeah. Just a bit boring conversation, I would have thought. Oh, no. Very interesting conversation, I think. Theories of relativity. But wasn't he German? Yes. Does he speak English? Uh, no, he, he does now. Oh, he does. I mean, he's he's <laughs> a very he's fast learner. If he's in the, yeah, he's, he's learned all the languages. <laughs> but E equals MC squared is, is is the same in every language. True. Yeah, but that, that that could be all you said at dinner. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> Um, I think George Michael and Freddie Mercury are very good ones. Of course, um, one of our colleagues here at our home station, BCFM, a gentleman called Martin, who does the Nostalgia programme on a Tuesday, he's actually had dinner with Freddie Mercury. 
Wow. Yeah, many years ago when he was a young man on the gay scene, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And said he was a very nice bloke. Um, And contrary to what people say, he didn't try to bed. (laughs) So there's Freddie Mercury. Silla Black. Oh, Oh, yes. uh, Speaking of it, and he's well well and truly alive at the moment. I almost did more pin the other night. Lovely to see him on stage. Uh, So uh, hello if you are uh, listening. Uh, Anyway, uh, that's it for this week. Have a fantastic uh, Halloween, whatever you have planned. Check us out and catch up with our podcast at shandletradio.lgbt. Uh, one thing to remember clocks go back this weekend you get this round in bed um, next week we're looking at winter pride but from myself mm. from Steph from Terry from uh, Ez and from Andy say bye bye everyone bye bye <laughs> Shout out. LGBT radio for you. <laughs>